Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. It is game day eve for one of the most anticipated games of the week of week one. It is the backyard brawl between Pittsburgh and West Virginia. Number 17, Pittsburgh, I should add, by the way. we got to give them their props, Mac. And we are so pumped to preview this game with a very special guest. Before we introduce our guest, just a reminder, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube. We'd really appreciate it. Our YouTube numbers are growing exponentially. Right now, we're closing in on 700 subscribers. Can we get to 1,000 <laughs> by the end of September? Come by on. the end of week one? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. So please make sure you subscribe. The YouTube aspect of this has been really fun for us to kind of interact with a, a new fan base that's all over YouTube. But Mac, why don't you set us up? Tell us a little more about our special guest that we have on today. Come on, KG. I am jacked up for today's interview because it's week one. We've got the backyard brawl, as you mentioned, first time since 2011, which is absolutely crazy. So, you know, we had to start with a Pitt Panther, and I'm jacked up to have our guy Haba Baldinaldo join us today. Defensive end, this man has turned into one of the baddest dudes to wear that blue and gold. Last year, Haba racked up 42 tackles. 12 tackles for a loss, and nine sacks. He has truly emerged as one of the great players along this loaded D-line for Pitt. We know he'll be looking to put an exclamation point on his senior season starting with this backyard brawl. That's right, KG. Listen, we had a ton of fun talking with Haba. A lot of interesting things. Let's get right into this interview. We'll talk to you all on the other side. My man, welcome to the show. Listen, we are so jacked up to have you today. I just want to start with your story because it's so unique how you got to, to Pitt. And I want to spend some time here because you grew up in Rome, Italy. And I was watching this, I guess, a feature that you did with Pitt way back when. And, you know, you said yourself, football, not a big deal there. Really, sports in general, uh, you, you've got to play club if, if you want to play at all. So with that, I, I mean, how did you discover football? How did you fall in love with it? What, what was that story? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. But um, as you said, sports are not really a huge thing in Italy. We are a huge uh, soccer country. Yes. <laughs> and growing up, I didn't even know what football was. And I discovered it casually like by watching movies or I saw some highlight tapes of Ray Lewis back at the time or Richard Sherman on YouTube. And I was like, what is this? Like, It looks so much fun. It looks interesting. So I just went ahead and looked up if that sport existed in Italy and if there were any teams in Rome. And uh, I was lucky enough to find a team that wasn't too far away from my house. And uh, actually, I started playing football and quit after a couple months. And then I went back a couple <laughs> years after and I just fell in love with it. So, so OK, so, so you said you're, you're seeing some highlights. You're seeing Ray Lewis just destroy somebody, and you're like, yeah, I want a piece of that. How, I mean, yeah. how old were you? Were, you? were you a child? Were you a young kid? Like, how old were you at this time? Uh, first time that I tried, I was about 12, 13, okay. and then I stopped, and I went back when I was about 16. Okay. Yeah. Was it always D-end for you? Like, did you always want to rush the passer? Is that what attracted you at first? Uh, no, I tried 
pretty much every position. I actually started playing as a receiver because I was oh. tall but super skinny. I was about like 180 or something like that, uh, fairly fast. So they were like, try a receiver. And um, I just say that was not my position. And one of my coaches at the time were like, from your size, it looks like you could be a great DN. So just try it out. And after that, I like never stopped. That's awesome. Okay, that let's talk about... Sorry, that's why I'm wearing 87, though, because, like, when I first started as a receiver... That receiver one, background, that's right. <laughs> oh. I always wore that number. That makes sense. Okay, we're getting a little more insight here. And, again, with your story, which to me is just incredible, because in high school, you decided to take the leap of faith and move to the U.S. and go to Florida and play high school football. I, I would have to imagine you thought, okay, this is the only way I'm really going to get noticed if I go to the States to play college ball, but... What went into that decision for you? Because that's a big move for a 17-year-old kid. Uh, I don't know. It might sound crazy, but as soon as I had the chance, as soon as they offered me the possibility to uh, move over here to Florida, I said yes. Oh, wow. Two months, I got my visa, everything in order. I just quit my school back in Italy, left everybody, and just moved. Uh, wow. I love the, the sport. I wanted to find uh, a chance to go live on my own, you know, to create my own path, and that was the perfect um, chance. My man's a trailblazer. I love yeah. that. How about that, man? I mean, that's Mac, incredible. Before we get into more of the football here, this is where I'm going to ask my Italian food question. There you go. Okay? There you go. We, and I know you said you were ready to move to the U.S. And Mac and I both love this country. There's a lot of positives about this country. But the Italian food, I have to imagine, look, we have some good Italian food, but it can't be as good as Rome, Italy. So explain to us the difference and what you miss the most. <laughs> you know, uh, if if I had to give Italy a 10 in food, I would give to the U.S., to the American Italian food, a good seven and a half. Mm. <laughs> spots. There's like great spots, good food, good pizza, good pasta, but it's it's just diff- different. You know, the ingredients, the way that everything is prepared, made is way simpler, but in its simplicity, it's so tasteful and so good. Mm. I, and it's hard to describe, like people will have to try it to yeah. understand. Listen, I just got done working out. I am starving right now. And I'm just thinking about how fresh it probably is, how good the, the food is. I could smash some pasta right now. So I, I appreciate you guys making me starving while we're talking about this. Uh, how about, I want to go back to, to high school for a second before we move on to Pitt. Um, you had 30 sacks in your senior year. Like, did they just not try to block you? Walk me through this year because that I saw that number and I was like, this has to be a typo. This is unbelievable. Yeah, something like that. Well, um, <laughs> back in Italy, I used to play against grown men because we don't really have any pro league. We don't have sports in school, so it's just like club teams. And uh, the A league, the A series at the time was between um, 17 years older and like 40 years older. So I was playing against like pretty wow and stuff. So coming back to Florida, playing against <laughs> against kids on my age, it was it was child's was play. It was literal yeah, it was child's true. play. Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. So what KG brought it up. You, you kind of laid it out there pretty bluntly, actually. What was as soon as you fell in love, as soon as you found out that you could you know, get 30 sacks in one season, like was college the dream? Is NFL always been the dream? Like how did how did that come about? I guess when you decided to make that jump to pursue this thing, at, maybe professionally. Well, it wasn't always the dream. Um, when I started playing football back in Italy, I had fun with it, but uh, 
it was just a sport. You know, it was just my passion, something that I was doing to have fun and enjoying it. Once I had the opportunity to go to Florida, I was like, maybe I could do something good with it, you know, and maybe I could uh, proceed and get to a higher level. And at that point back in Florida, I thought that D2, I would have made it or like D1, FCS. That was my goal. And then once the offers and stuff started rolling in, I'm, I was like, maybe I got a fair shot at doing it uh, all the way. And, wow, you know, that's how I went day by day. Wow. How about that? So, so how did you decide on Pitt? I mean, you, you come from Rome, you're in Florida, you know, how did, how did Narduz and those guys, you know, seal the deal with you? Coach Duz was definitely a huge part of it. Uh, back at the time, Coach Harley, the linebacker coach and Coach Partridge, uh, just like great people, great dudes that I immediately clicked on with. So they were a huge part of it. The school at the academic level was impressive. When I visited, I was really impressed by the whole staff, the professors that uh, showed me around. And overall, the city, you know, the the, the culture in the city, the huge Italian population um, down in the strip. They brought me in the strip district, uh, looking at all the Italian stores and markets. So um, all these little pieces um, brought me to this final decision. That's really interesting. The Italian presence in Pittsburgh, and they sold you on that, which is honestly very smart for them. Growing up in Italy, did you know Pittsburgh was a city? Maybe you're familiar with the Steelers. Was that part of it? Honestly, I had no idea what it was, <laughs> where it was. Not even when I was in Florida. When they came uh, to visit me, Coach Harley, back at the time, I was like, I have no clue what Pitt Where is, is that? What, what, what part of the country are you guys in? <laughs> I had to look it up on Google Maps, you know, but um, once I flew in, it was, it's, a, it's a beautiful city. It's really cool. It is. It really is. The bridges and, and, of course, the culture there. You bring up Coach P, and we know Pittsburgh and that program has such an emphasis on defense, and Arduzzi's a defensive-minded head coach, but specifically the D-line, getting after the quarterback, um, racking up those sack numbers. What has Coach P meant to you and your development? I, I, I don't know. It's hard to find the words. You mean, uh, you know what I mean? Coach P basically taught me football. He taught me how to play. He taught me, like, we started, he he would always say, like, I would get in late at night and he would teach me stuff about football, you know, different plays wow. and rules. And he would call it the football one-on-one lessons <laughs> late at night. So, I really owe him everything. I'm who I am thanks to him. And I couldn't thank him enough. And this shows, like, the type of person that Coach P is, like, bringing yeah. that standard inside the um, D-line room, creating all these great players, and uh, not changing, being the same every yeah. day. Yeah, he, he he is one of the best. Just a tremendous coach and man. And I know that he loves you guys far more than just on that football field. And I know what that means to you guys. So, KG brought it up. You kind of brought it up there, and, and your your development has been tremendous, man. It's been really fun to watch from afar to see you know this kid show up, and now you're going to leave as this this beast, this man uh, that's just been developed at Pittsburgh, and and truly you've become one of the best defensive ends in America. I mean, how much of that success do you attribute to working with guys like Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver and Jalen Twyman? I mean, just these these dogs that have come from Pittsburgh that, you know, kind of have paved the way for you. They, they've definitely been role models and they uh, put me onto the right path and taught me how to work, uh, show me how hard work truly pays off and uh, learning from people of that caliber definitely makes 
um, you're growing easier because you don't have to go through the same growing pains that they've been through. They teach you what to do, what not to do, how, what to do in order to become great, you know. So being part of this great D-line unit has definitely helped me become who I am right now. And we know you've you worked with those guys as a younger player. You're a fifth-year guy now. You've got a lot of big-time names around you, too, with Kalijah and, and Deslin and a lot of older dudes, um, some of the, the grandpas on the team, if you will. But you had a chance to move on to the NFL. You said, no, I want to come back. Kalijah Kansi, all these other guys chose to come back. The whole pit offensive line chose to come back. What was that about? I mean, what, what was the main reason for you to decide to come back for one more year at Pitt? Um, there were a lot of different factors that um, weighed into that decision. One of those factors was definitely that I wanted to come back, seeing the potential that, that this team had, looking at all the people that were coming back, especially the whole O-line. And I couldn't pass on like having an extra season with my brothers and do something better than what we did last year. Um, unfortunately, last year ended up how it did. Um, we achieved great things, but I believe that we had the potential to do way better than that. And I truly believe that the team this year um, has that same potential. So I just wanted to ball with my brothers <laughs> one time again. Man, yeah, I'm legit getting goosebumps. I wish the camera could see this because in, in a world, in a society where how about everybody tells you to to go get a bag, to go get paid, to go chase the fame and do all this stuff, I, I haven't heard a mere, more pure answer than that right there. Yeah. I just want to be with my boys. I just want to be my brothers one last time. And in this game, I mean, once you take that step to the pros, it, it's so different. Like you're by yourself, and, and it's it's a bunch of people with families and grown men, and man, just the purity of college football and and the fact that you crave that for one more season and thinking how great this team could be, man, that, that, that just warms me up. And, and that's why this game is, is the best in the country and the best in the world, in my opinion. Uh, you bring up that defense. You bring up your brothers. You bring up how special this defense can be. But in particular, this defensive line, man, is just – y'all are freaky. I think you're top three in the country. I think you have a chance to, to fight for that number one spot. You call yourselves the QBK. What makes that group so special? Um. Well, you know, definitely the people that are in that room make it special. Uh, the great character players that we have, the great leaders that we have and we've had, and the standard that was set by Coach P and is upheld every single day by um, all the players, you know, the whole D-line. Playing for this defense is crazy. We create, we rig havoc in the backfield. That's what we do. We got sacks. We got TFLs. Like, we make plays. Uh, nobody can stop us. We're top two, not two, you know. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just fun. They're, they're my family. Um, and we just like to play together and for each other. <laughs> I saw. Do you, hold on, hold on, okay. KG. Do, do y'all, like, feed off each other? Like, is it is it a party in the backfield? Like, like if uh, Kansi goes in there and gets a sack and, and you were right there, you're like, man, you took my sack. I'm getting it next time. If Big Morgan's back. Like, do, do you guys, are? is it that aggressive and competitive of who gets to the quarterback first? Yes, it's super competitive. <laughs> At the beginning of each game, we make a bet on who's going to get yes. to the <laughs> Um but like it's it's is a is a is a competition between brothers, you know. Yes. I can do something to get Kalijah's sack to give Des a sack, I'll do it a hundred percent without any right. like, doubts in my mind. 
but it's definitely like a competition, you know. Like, what's the what's the number? Final them. Yeah, yeah. What, what what's the number for you, man? Do, do you have a goal in mind? Like this year, I want to have, you know, this number of sacks. I don't really have a goal. My goal is to be better, better than me last year. So you know, uh, last double digits, year, baby. Let's go. That's the goal. You know, I don't need to say much. Uh, <laughs> always improving, never staying the same. What are we betting? Uh, between fellow D linemen on who can get to the QB first, or is there any sort of um, you know action there? Are we bet anything? Usually, it's like push ups. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, not not being crazy. Not not being okay. Not a steak dinner down the That's street. Very nothing, pure. nothing like that. We, we should like bet that, on man. steak dinners. I'll get. I'll, I'll start eating good after every game. Oh, there we go. I like that. I like that. Yeah, you get, you got to bet on yourself. Bet something big. Um, overall. Overall, Haba, we're seeing, you know, the Pitt logo in the background. I feel like over the past couple of years, you know, Pitt has been a solid program. No one can take away. But this past year, winning the ACC, doing what you guys did, um, have you seen maybe a little more respect on social media or just walking around the city with your Pitt gear on? Has anything changed for you in that regard? I wouldn't say as much in the city of Pittsburgh because the city of Pittsburgh has always showed love, like, you know, the Panther pit, um, the student section. There's always, they've always been there for us going around campus. Like, we're recognized and loved. But I would say that in the country, we're starting to gain, we're starting to get a little bit of attention and gain the respect that I think we deserve, um, especially after last year. I love it, man. So b- before we get you out of here, KG's going to ask you about the, this game coming up specifically. But I want to look at the offensive side of the ball just for a moment because obviously you've had a very unique perspective of that. You, you've seen Kenny Pickett for numerous years and what that offense has turned into, and and now he's gone. And we, we have a, see, uh, a chance to see Slovis or Patty, you know, whoever's going to be the guy there. Uh, and, and, and you get to see that offensive line each and every day. What did you see from them in camp? Are, are, are you excited about the development? I know you are. That was a stupid way to ask it. But just what, what have you seen from those guys each and every day? Uh, the, the, the great thing about, about our O-line is that most of them are sixth-year senior. They all came back. And they did not take this opportunity as, you know what? Uh, we had it last year. We were good. We're going to take breaks. We're just going to chill and then come back and do it again. They're working every single day to improve. They want to be better than what they were last year. And that what makes them great. And I'm really excited to see them play and uh, destroy uh, opposing the linemen. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Listen, when they have to go against you guys each and every day, Saturdays are easy. You know, that that's what I said back when I was playing at Clemson. Uh, I know that's applicable now with, with those guys. So I'm sure they are very thankful for that defensive line. Uh, maybe not in the moment, but when Saturday comes, they, I know they're, they're grateful for you guys. For sure. Iron sharpens iron, you know. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. By the way, for the people that are listening to this episode and not watching it on YouTube, both ways are great, but... Haba's facial expressions have been excellent, specifically during Max questions. I've really appreciated them. So make sure you check it out on YouTube. All right, before we get you out of here, we're, repla- we're uh, releasing this episode right before West Virginia Pitt. And what's funny is that you've never played West Virginia. This rivalry is being renewed. Now, you've played Penn State, so you've seen that rivalry, um, and, and you've played in some big games. But how have you guys gotten ready for what this rivalry means to the fan base, 
the bad blood? What are you expecting from this game in terms of the rivalry aspect? Um, for some reason, it's like we've always been rivals. It doesn't matter if we haven't played them since we've been here. Like, we just feel it. It's just... Just flows through the facility. You know, Coach P was here last time that it played. We just learned about the history and we're ready for that game. It's going to be a huge game. We're going to have a lot of fun and they're just, I don't know if they're ready for us. <laughs> well, we are ready to see it, my man. We're jacked up for this season. Can't wait to watch Pittsburgh all year long. Uh, can't wait to watch you, my man. So thank you for your time. Excited for you and uh, good luck this season. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Man, what a fun interview. KG, I really like the football was great, but the culture aspects mm. of that interview were just nuts. You know, I saw a couple of little interviews. I've read some stuff kind of preparing for this and, you know, just hearing him, you know, talk about that decision and, and coming over. And then, you know, as, as we were interviewing him, it was like, yeah, th th I just did it. There was no issue with me, you know, doing this. I would be homesick. I'd be missing my mom. And he's like, no, I just came over to Florida and, you know, balled out. Very mature guy. You can oh, yeah. tell. I, I know he is a fifth year senior, so he's probably 22 or 23, but it seems like he was that mature from when he was 16 and 17 when he was playing football against grown men <laughs> 40 in Italy. That will prepare you for high school ball where he was uh, Zioning people. If you remember Zion dunking on those five foot five dudes in his private school league, that's what I feel like Haba was doing in high school football in Florida. But really appreciate his time, Mac. I think he's, he's going to have a great year and has a chance to make himself a lot of money oh, yeah. going into the league. Ha is it just me or have you been craving pasta since that interview? Because I have. <laughs> I got to tell you, we went down uh, to, or up. I keep saying down. Like, where do I live? Do I live in Canada? Everything is down for me. <laughs> we went to Chapel Hill and we went to this bomb Italian place. And all mm. I could think of was Haba. And I, would, I was like, would he think this is good? And I think the answer was yes. It, it was a really, really good chef. He was on Chopped. Um, and, and had a really impressive restaurant, yeah, up in New York City. And then circumstances brought them back down to Chapel Hill. But it was killer. And so I'm with you. But I, I got to uh, you know, kind of fulfill that that uh, hunger that I had there. I didn't. I spent the weekend in Texas. We did not have Italian. The opposite. The opposite. <laughs> what was the name of the Chapel Hill restaurant? If I tried to pronounce it, I would butcher it. So let's okay. just say it was the most Italian name that you could think of. And that was it. I'll like tag it on social media somewhere okay, so people can good. see it. Because people want to know. That's right. All right, Mac. Let's break down this game. As we talked about in our previous episode, for me, this is the game I'm most excited for in week one. And part of it is because it's first. It's going to be the big game on Thursday night. And I can't wait to see it from a rivalry standpoint because we know the bad blood is there. Yeah. Let's start with West Virginia. Let's talk about the Nears. Here for a second, Old Country Roads. JT Daniels has completed his trip across the nation from Southern Cal to Georgia to West Virginia. And we know he's a super talented guy. We know he was a five star. He's been plagued by injuries yeah. at Southern Cal, where he lost the job to Keaton Slovis, who's playing quarterback at Pitt, because he got hurt against Fresno State in game one of the 2019 season. And then Keaton Slovis took over. He was hurt at Georgia. He was replaced by Stetson Bennett. So 
He's lost some jobs at different places. Mm-hmm. We know he's capable. My, my biggest question with him at West Virginia is we haven't really seen that prolific passer. We never saw it at Georgia. Now, Georgia's a little different. Right. We haven't seen that. He is paired up with Graham Harrell, who's the OC at West Virginia, which I like for him. But my main question too, Mac, is does he have the wide receivers and the weapons <laughs> to actually go out there and perform as well as he did at Southern Cal back in the day at West Virginia? Yeah, I, I think it, it's honestly, KG, like you said, talent there, arm talent there. We saw have seen glimpses you know, for the past four or five years, however long he's been in college. And it just the, the consistency, probably because of injury, is is what has really held him back, right? From being this, you know, first overall pick type of guy that everyone probably thought when he was coming out of high school. So I think when you look at his situation here, that the fact that Graham Harrell is here, he's the OC, he's back in the Big Twelve. For those of you that don't remember, he was a, a beast at Texas Tech. Just who doesn't the ball. remember that? Right, right. Just Come throwing it all over the yard. How well, young are our listeners? You, you are a Texas gal, so I, I would actually challenge that. I'd love to see who does remember that because I that think was it was when like Greg McElroy, who yeah, was like was oh, our guest this this summer, was yeah. committed to Texas. Yeah, Tech. that's right, that's right. So a lot of synergy in this episode. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but if, if you guys remember, that was an air raid offense. They're throwing the ball all around. Those concepts are now going to be brought to West Virginia where they were very RPO heavy. They they couldn't really establish the run. So, you know, the RPO doesn't work as well when there's not really a running threat. So I think from that and having a quarterback that has the arm talent, it's going to be an improvement offensively, you know, just throwing that thing all over the yard. But the the bad thing is, you know, the, the portal wiped out West Virginia's receiving core. I mean, like four dudes gone, you know, three of the top five gone. And and so when you look at that and you say, okay, who's left? What, what are we going to build here? It, it was going to have to be a lot of intention and a lot of, you know, after practice work behind the scenes for JT Daniels, you know, to sync up with these guys and, and just get everybody going. But if there's an offense where you don't like need a star-studded wide receiver, it's the air raid because you're just getting that thing out quick. It's just, mm. you know, 50 passes a game, who can get involved, who can get the ball. So I'm really interested to see how does that work because you're not going to be able to run the ball against Pittsburgh. Like, that's just a fact. And you're not even great at it, you know, to, to start with. And now these guys are going to take that away. Well, and to me, Mac, that's my biggest key in this game. Which team can establish the run? Yeah. And with West Virginia, they have an O-line where they're returning everybody. But it's kind of that question of, do you want to return everybody? Because <laughs> this O-line was last in the Big 12 last year in sacks and TFLs allowed. Yeah. So can they run the ball? And Letty Brown, their 1,000-yard rusher from last year, is gone. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at which team is able to establish the run and help these quarterbacks who are starting their first games in these new systems, even though for JT Daniels it's probably not as new because it's right. Graham Harrell's there. Which team can establish the run? To me, it's going to be Pitt, especially because we haven't even mentioned, Mac, Pitt's D-line and yeah. what West Virginia is going up against there. From, from a defensive standpoint for the Nears, they don't return anybody. They return two starters. Dante Stills is back. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're excited to see him, Mac, but there's just a lot of question marks for me on both sides of the ball with West Virginia. Yeah, there really are. And just to touch on that offensive line quickly before we I go to defense, they gave up so many sacks to Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, right? I think it was like eight-plus sacks. Yeah. And so for those guys, schematically, and what Pitt does, man, Pitt has to be Good luck. licking their chops. I mean, they're like, okay, th- this is the things that, that we're going to be able to do. And now 
there's going to be more opportunity because we're going to be throwing the ball more. They, they've got to be excited about that. But yeah, to, to look at this defense, I think the silver lining of, of the defense, and they lost everybody, is the fact that they, they have been the most consistent unit of this team in the Coach Brown era, right? He, he's been, you know, the, the, the guy that has gotten this going. Uh, Dante Stills is back. But everybody else is gone. I mean, they literally had five starting DBs with their, you know, nickel and, and defense that they ran all gone. Leading tackler gone. Leading interception gone. I mean, everybody is just wiped out. And all these defensive linemen and linebackers that have transferred to Miami and, and Colorado and Mississippi State, like everybody is out of there except for Stills, which he's really, really good. And you can build like a defense around him. But man, you would love to have some more experience when you're going against this Pittsburgh team that is loaded and has everybody back. So there's no question marks, right, offensively of what they're going to do and who they want to be identity-wise. So that is going to be a fascinating matchup. I love what you just said there, the key to the game, running and establishing the run. Um, you know, because as we just kind of transfer to Pitt right here, they are going to be able to do that, right? And, and I yeah. think because of Coach Signetti and, and the the things offensively that he is going to want to do, it, it's going to be much more balanced. You know, we had Narduzzi on, and you know he's complaining about you know we're going against the 119th run defense in the country, and we throw it every freaking play. Like he wants to run it, and I think all defensive coaches do, right, KG? Well, was that not a shot at Mark? Wilson? I think it was a shot. I mean, the, the way that that ended was so awkward and weird. I don't think you'll hear any nice words coming from Narduzzi. For sure. The way it ended, it's almost like Mark Whipple thought, okay, Pitt, we've had our good year. I'm out. Right. And I'm sure that offended Narduzzi to his core. But then Whipple takes Nebraska to Ireland and they lose. And now Scott Frost is calling out Mark Whipple. So we've got two head coaches (laughs) calling out Mark Whipple in the media. And you bring in Frank Signetti, who I think I saw this stat, Mac, over his career, he, as the OC Colin plays, he runs the ball about 60% of the time. So... I especially feel like as you're easing Keaton Slovis in, Mm -hmm. they are going to run the ball. With this O-line that is very solid for Pitt that brings back all five starters, with Izzy Abanacanda, run the ball, take some pressure off of Keaton Slovis. And the other big thing that I'm curious about for Pitt is which of these wide receivers emerge. Jared Wayne, Mumpfield. I'm intrigued to see which guy leads Pitt in uh, catches and receiving yards in this game. Yeah, well, the, the guy throwing it to him is is got to be ready, right? We, we've heard the anticipation, honestly, is killing me with this because I wish I could have just went to Pittsburgh and, and saw it with my own eyes. But hearing from my guys, EJ and Eddie and Jordan, um, it, I mean, they love them, and, and I can't wait to see it. Obviously, we, we saw some flashes in the spring game, but the teams were split, guys weren't playing, whatever. Um, I, I mean, I think they have a great opportunity, KG, tomorrow night to prove to the country their offense, their team did not go to the NFL, did not go to California. They're good. Like they're right here ready to take that next step. And so when I see it and when I, I see the the possibility that Keaton is going to have to get this team back to an ACC championship and, and I think of, okay, what are the biggest things that Kenny did so well? He was accurate. Mm-hmm. He made great decisions and his athleticism when he needed it. Like, he did those three things better than anybody, you know, in the country. That's why he was in New York, you know, for the for the Heisman Trophy. And so when I see that Keaton has those abilities and maybe even, you know, can shine there, I love I love it. And I can't wait to break all this down on, on uh, you know, our next episode. But when I see Mumpfield, when I see Wayne, when I see Bub Means, who is now, you know, eligible and ready to go, 
I feel great about those guys. I think Mumfield's going to have a really big year. I think they I think they try to use him as much as Jordan Addison as they can. And, and the the body types are very similar. The the size is very similar. It's going to be fascinating to see what this offense looks like, KG. The Southern Cal connections in this game are ridiculous. You've got so Slovis, weird. JT so Daniels, weird. Graham Harrell, and then Jordan Addison, who's now at Southern Cal. This is the most that Southern California has ever affected the backyard brawl (laughs) in the history of the backyard brawl. I think that's fair. Speaking of it being a brawl, the QB killers. We talked with Haba on this episode. Haba, Kalijah Kansi, Deslin Alexander. These guys are going to want to put JT Daniels on the ground. And that's going to be the biggest question here is, can JT Daniels make good decisions under pressure? And can Pitt's DBs play well enough to help out that D-line because we know a lot of times what Pitt does is they rush the passer, they bring everybody, they leave their DBs on islands. Mm-hmm. Can JT Daniels make enough plays? Right. That, that's the biggest question. But also, as we've discussed, can this West Virginia O-line do enough to keep JT Daniels upright? Yeah, I'll start with the defensive line and, and just those guys. Again, the, the impact that they're going to have on this game is going to be immense because if you can totally take away the run, which I think they're going to, then you know. Like, you kind of already have a thought going into the game, okay, they're going to throw the ball a lot. But if we can shut that thing down, then you know, okay, everything has to be a pass or, or they're not going to get after it. And then what does that mean? You can really just change your your attack defensively and just go after that quarterback. And I think Haba, I think Kalijah are, are just going to go off. And, and I said the the eight sack number is really what they're going for. Six plus, like – just put it in the bag. It's almost a, a guarantee that those guys are going to be able to do that. So I'm excited to see the attack and, and just, you know, schematically, what do they try to do? Because when you look at an air raid offense and you put your guys on islands, obviously that's a lot of opportunity. And there's some risk and there's some error that can be involved in that. And, and when you have guys like Hallett and Hill and Woods and Williams, you know, really solid contributors for the last couple of years – you know, can they get the ball back? Can they be ball hawks and you know try to get some extra opportunity for your offense, KG? Before we make our picks on this game, because I think the spread on this game is very interesting, give me a key. For for me, it's the run game. I yeah. think which team can establish the run, take pressure off their QB. Uh in in a game one where teams are still figuring themselves out, in a rivalry game, I think the run game is going to be so incredibly important. What is your key for this game, Mac? Yeah, I'm going to go opposite and just, you know, let Keaton Slovis rip it. Like, let him, you know, get that confidence that he's the guy. That, that So we disagree a little bit here. We do disagree. We do. And I think, Interesting. I, I certainly think that that's, you know, running the ball is vital. But, you know, letting him throw that thing. Like, letting him extend it down. I almost, a little bit of opposite of what Carolina did, uh, you, you know, with Drake May. Like, he's dishing it out, you know, a little 10-yard, a little 8-yard, a little 15-yard. I want to see him push the ball downfield. And maybe we don't see that. It's risky. But when you are replacing five DBs, like I'm testing those guys. Like I'm, I'm sure. saying, okay, let's go right at them and see what we can do offensively. So keep them up. Let them cook. Let them get confident because you're playing a Tennessee team next week and, and we're not looking ahead. But there's going to be a lot of offensive firepower on that field and, and you've got to be able to keep up. And so get your quarterback confident. Let him go and, and let him just figure out who's my guy. Who's my guy when the lights are on and when we're keeping score? One game at a time. That's Eric right. McClain. That's right. <laughs> okay. The spread on this game is seven and a half. 
Pitt is favored by seven and a half, and the over-under has gone down, right, Mac? 51 and a half? That's right. It's Where down we're to 51. That's right. Okay. Before we make our picks, I want to throw this stat at you. Uh-oh. I found this last night, and I was uh, pretty shocked. <laughs> Pittsburgh, in their last 15 games, is 11 and four against the spread. Wow. That is pretty darn good. Now, you could argue perhaps last year at times Vegas undervalued them. Sure. And so they covered the spread. I think seven and a half is about an adequate value play for this. And for me, Mac, if you don't mind if I go first here, (laughs) because I think we're going to disagree. This is a rivalry game. We've got two quarterbacks starting their first games for their new programs. We've got a lot of new faces on both sides of the ball. I think there's going to be an emphasis on the run. I think Pitt is the better team, but the backyard brawl of it all and the week one of it all has me taking West Virginia to cover. No way. I think West Virginia plus seven and a half, especially because the number seven. I hate, I hate taking a team to cover seven and a half. It stresses me out because a (laughs) touchdown win does not get it done for you. Sure. So, Mac, because of the rivalry aspect, to me, Pitt is the better team. Do not get me wrong. Yep. The rivalry aspect, the newness on both sides, give me West Virginia to cover the point. Okay. Um, this is a rivalry that affects the fans more than it does the players. I know. No player has played in this rivalry. We haven't played since 2011. So for You're that right. aspect, I don't think it's as anything can happen as most rivalry games. Okay. I don't think it's as affected where it's like, Throw the record books out. Throw the what? Throw it all out. You never like Iron Bowl. You never know what's going to happen. I don't think that's the case. I think Pittsburgh is a significantly better team. So with that in mind, I think they cover. Uh, I think they they probably win by double digits. And I do think it's going to be under though. I'm taking the yes, under because I agree. I think that this Pitt defense is going to have their way, and and it's you know a low scoring affair by the Mountaineers. So. Sure. With all that in mind, I'm taking Pitt. I'm taking them to cover. And I think it's a look at us. We're still here. Mm-hmm. We're going to be just fine this year type of game from Pittsburgh. I think it still is that way. I think people come away from it thinking Pitt is the better team. And I do think it's under. I- I'm thinking it could be something like 27-21. Something just weird. Mm. Yeah. Where West Virginia scores late and okay. they cover. I just don't see them scoring three touchdowns, honestly. I really don't. Maybe really it's a little don't. lower than that. Yeah. Maybe it's a 17-10. But with a defense that they just don't have in West Virginia, how are they going to stop? It's going to be fascinating. I can't wait to see. Um, I suck at picks, just so you know. So, guys, probably listen <laughs> to Kelly, but I'll we'll rub see. it in her face. Mac, this could next. be a new year for you. That's right. I hope it is. Because here's, it is. here's what Mac does. I think Mac is too logical at times about college football. <laughs> college football, there's a reason why Pitt's only a seven and a half point favorite right. when they're the better team. That's right. And it's game one, week one. Okay, Mac, Very we do true. have one more game. We do. Come on. And by the way, we are going to post all of our picks on social media throughout the year, so make sure you interact on there, at Kelly Gramlich, at Eric McLean. We have another game that is happening tomorrow, Thursday, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons are taking on the Virginia Military Institute. And the big thing here, there's no spread on this game. Wake should roll. I think what we're all looking for in this game, Mac, is how does Mitch Griffiths look? Yep. Does he look confident? Does he look like a guy that can um, lead Wake to 4-2 and two or 5-1 and one in these first couple games before perhaps Sam Hartman returns? We still don't know about Sam Hartman's status, but he's got all these wide receivers 
can he run this system well? That That's my big question with Griffiths. Yeah, that, that's what we're all going to see. And just, you know, praise the Lord, they don't open with Clemson, okay? They, they open with VMI. You know, this guy's been in the system going on year three, so he should know it very well. You know, quarterbacks, that's your deal. So you better know this offense forward and backward, especially going in, you know, to year three here. So I, I think knowing the system, knowing the dogs that he has at wide receiver, mm-hmm. He should be fine. Like he, he obviously got a scholarship for a reason. He was recruited for a reason, and he could be the heir apparent to Sam Hartman. So let's see it. We just sped up that process a little bit, and, and so right. you know the, the confidence, no, knowing that this is his team. You know he's had a, a week or so, a little bit more than a week to you know really just be the guy, right? So that helps. It wasn't like a drastic. Oh my goodness, it's Sunday night. You're going to play. You know next week. Um, so there's been some time to all, let this all process and to really let the team understand that that he is the guy for now. So you know, just seeing how does he how does he do that? How does you know Wake handle it? Do they start off a little bit vanilla, running the football? You know, just doing quick hits, things of that nature. So th- that's what I'll, I'll be fascinating to CKG and then to just defensively. Like, man, I look at this roster, I look at this depth chart. There are pieces you know to this defense that was bad. I mean, quite frankly, a year ago. Um, and, and what, what can Coach Lamb do with them? You know, he's obviously been there before. He's a heck of a coordinator. And, again, there's pieces to build on. So just kind of seeing that and understanding what you're getting, you know, in week one to build on. Here's the other thing I'm watching. Is Sam Hartman on the sidelines? Right, yeah. That's what I want to see. Is he on the sidelines? Does he have a jersey on? Is he in street clothes? Does he have, you know, some sort of I – mean, we don't know what the injury is. Right. You know, some sort of right. brace. I don't know. Yeah. That's going to be really interesting – to see what's going on with Hartman on the sidelines. And you know what else is going to be interesting, Mac? Our Friday episode. We (laughs) are going to be breaking down the entire weekend. We've got games on Saturday. We've got LSU, FSU. We've got Clemson, Georgia Tech. You're not going to want to miss that episode either. Come on, KG. Cannot wait. (laughs) We are here. We are full speed ahead. Massive weekend. Labor Day weekend. Let's go. Thursday through Monday. ACC's playing each and every day. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Another great episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane. If you don't have SiriusXM, go get it right now. Download the app. Subscribe on the radio. It's the best thing going for you. You can hear us in your phone, in your car, wherever you want. But we also need you to go over YouTube. We need you to go over to iTunes. Follow, subscribe, rate, review. Talk to us. We, we love to hear from you guys, and we greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you.